In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing my friend, Sophia Nguyen, an incoming Midwestern University medical student. We talk about the benefits and some of the not often talked about negatives of being in a sorority, her pet chicken bok bok, her professional basketball career, and her growing relationship with her family and culture. Sophia exemplifies work-life balance, and if you're struggling with handling your high ambitions with your want to have a whole lot of fun, this episode is for you. Please DM me on Instagram to let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Here goes. Let's finish strong, publish in JAMA. Flex on the world, motor neuron gamma. Take your time, cook some dinner. Mm. Type 1 fibers, we ain't no sprinters. Yo, let's get it. Mike Will made it. Mike Will made it. That's fire. Hey there, podcast. This is Michael. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pass the Mic, where I have the pleasure of sharing the narratives of eminent or current medical professionals. In short, my job is to build you a community of mentors from the folks that have come before you. I couldn't be more happy to kick this podcast off with my dear friend, Sophia Nguyen. That's S-O-P-H-I-A space N-G-U-Y-E-N, Sophia Nguyen. Sophia graduated with me in 2019 from UCLA with a degree in the physiological sciences. Next year, us Californians are going to mourn her transition to Midwestern University in Arizona. As an important aside, Sophia has long renounced her birth certificate name and only goes by Sophifi and will respond to nothing else. If you can't find her on stage performing for the annual Vietnamese Culture Night or VCN, you may find her in a dashing yellow polo supporting UCLA health patients or you might find her serving as a bouncer, letting patients number 150 through 175 only into the health fair venue. <laughs> if you tried both of those, you might find her screaming volunteers' names, asking them to sign a waiver, or with her Theta sisters doing some hooligan stuff, or with her blood brothers and Bok Bok back at home. If all else fails, she is guaranteed to be snacking on popcorn in the corner of the room, dancing all by herself. I'll make sure we get these stories out of Sophia because I think she personally is the epitome of work-life balance. It's something that I heavily envy in her. I can't think of a person better to exemplify any and all pre-med, to any and all pre-meds that you can get into medical school and have a whole lot of fun doing so. You can have your cake and eat it too, both of which Sophia is guilty of. You can find Sophia if you want to say hello, ask a question, or need an organic egg on email at sophianowin97 at gmail.com. That is S-O-P-H-I-A-N-G-U-Y-E-N-9-7 at G-M-A-I-L dot com, gmail.com. She's very shy. Is that wrong? You forgot the P after Sophia. It's like my middle name. Perfect. Sophia P. Nguyen97 at gmail.com. Thanks for that. She's very shy, but I am personally grateful to carve out some time to have a nice conversation with her because she's jam-packed with personality and organic eggs. We'll get back to that story soon. Sophia, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> How was that introduction? The organic egg makes it sound like I'm like giving my eggs to fertility center. I'm not. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going for. And I was hoping- I am not. Those up. eggs are mine. Good, good. We'll make sure to talk about Bok Bok, but in the meanwhile, we'll just have all of our viewers think that you lay organic eggs. No. 
I don't think that's too far from the truth. <clears throat> no, but it's advertising more than I would give. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So I have a couple of rapid fire questions just so um, people can become more acquainted with you and all that you're about. I'm sorry. Sorry, can uh, you repeat the question? Yeah, I have, a, I have a couple of rapid fire questions so that people can get acquainted with what you're all about. Are you ready for them? Okay. All right, Sophia, where did you grow up? Laguna Hills, California, baby. Cool. <laughs> Sophia, what is your favorite quote? Ooh, probably work hard, play hard. I like that. That really, that really um, speaks to who you are as a person. I was hoping it was snip, snap, snip, snap, but that's fine. <laughs> that's my second favorite one. Fair enough. Sophia, what is one of your superpowers? Mm, probably i not very easily distracted. Hmm. Like, yeah. We'll have to we'll have to get back on that. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think when I set my mind to something, like have like mental goals and checklists for myself, I just get them done. And do you use anything external to kind of support that, or is that pretty much all internal? Um, mm, for me, I, it's like mostly internal. Sometimes I'll write out a list for myself, make a to-do list on my computer. But most of the time, it's like a mental checklist. So you are privileged with the gift of wonderful discipline. I love it. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I had your, uh, I wish I was born with those genetics. I, um, yesterday, I was, I had a deadline. And instead of doing the thing that I needed to do, I watched, I watched five hours of Aang. Last airbender. And it was two times speed. So I got through a lot of stuff. Um, wait, so, how did yeah. you watch it on two times speed on Netflix? Oh, Sorry. there's there's a Chrome extension that I recommend to everyone. I actually do not understand how people can tolerate one time speed anymore, but it's me uh, either. I watch all my YouTube yeah. videos at one point five speed. Yeah, even even that feels slow to me now. So I, there's a Chrome extension. I can find it later. I'm not seeing it on my bookmarks bar right now, but it just lets you um, speed up every every video player except for Vimeo. Vimeo's got all the the good code yeah. gadget protections, unfortunately. Okay, next. Sophia, what is one of your favorite accomplishments? Ooh, favorite? Hmm. I think my favorite would be graduating from UCLA a quarter early and with Latin honors. Hmm. Why? Um, I mean, you I have a lot to be proud of, right? You have a wonderful Animal Crossing island. Why wasn't it that? <laughs> Clearly, this this means a lot to you. I think just because going to college, I wasn't like, like I had doubts that I would do well in school because there was so much to do in college and so much freedom. And I was afraid of like letting myself go and like losing my study, like work ethic. Mm -hmm. And being able to like actually like have like get land honors was like really surprised. Like I think it was pretty surprising for me. So I'm proud that I was able to still do it. Right. But 
that's been a work in, in the making. I mean, your GBA has been sky for a while. It wasn't like, oh, last quarter, surprise, Latin honors. It yeah, was nice. but there's always like a time where like, oh man, this class is so hard. It's like going to clunk my GPA, you know, like that kind of feeling. Mm. So what reminds you of, of this favorite accomplishment? Is it when you, when you look at your degree and you see Latin honors or when you, is there some kind of like physical memory of, dang, I did a lot of good work in the last couple of years? Yeah, after I like, go upstairs, my diploma's like hanging right in the hallway when you nice. go up. But every time I look at it, and then, <laughs> such a bragging moment, but none of my brothers have gotten that in honors. Yeah. Mine, and I look at theirs, I'm like, ooh, nice. Got them. Oh, they must have just forgotten the phrase for your brothers, that's all. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I personally, um, I don't even know where my diploma is, to be honest. What? Yeah, I have no idea. That's like a 30K diploma, bro. <laughs> I know, I know. I was I was graciously supported by the state of California, so I don't feel that tied to it. But <laughs> it that that thing cost me four years of life. I feel like I should be a little more tied to it, but I don't know. I'm just Yeah, not. you should hang it up. It's like a really proud moment where you like can see all your four years. That's true. Thing. I think my favorite accomplishment is being able to fool Rita for, for those of us. Um, listening who don't know Rita is our uh, what if she listens to this <laughs> elective president it's okay hi Rita if you're listening to this and there's one yeah. time where Rita was like dude I see on your glasses <laughs> there's just white reflection during meeting um, and this was because I was taking meetings virtually from home spring quarter because Sophia and I had graduated early and Rita wanted me to really pay attention but I had set up this ingenious dual monitor setup that allowed me to look as if I was tuned into meeting, but actually just stare straight into to anime. And I don't remember what I was watching at the time, but that's probably my favorite accomplishment. I remember you were like messaging me what was happening in the anime and I yeah. stopped laughing and I had to like turn away from the camera. And you're like, why are you laughing? I was like, cause why not? Like this is so ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, we used to we used to like fake cough into the corner, um, and that was supposed to be like us signaling to each other that we were laughing and didn't want to get caught. It was wonderful. I just want to say I also had a dual screen like Michael, but I never got caught. <laughs> well, Rita, I'm gonna send you this episode right right after this, and uh, you can <laughs> pay your blessings to the devious Sophia. Sophia, what is one thing you're challenged by right now? Hmm. Honestly, the biggest challenge is like fighting the urge to go outside and hang out with my friends just because I've been stuck indoors for so long. Right. And this is my gap year, my time to shine and have fun, right? But I can't do that. <laughs> and I can't like be reckless because coronavirus is pretty bad in California and it's getting right. worse. And I don't want to be like, I don't want to make it worse especially for my parents too. But I think that's the biggest problem of like hearing all these places open up and like watching people like be able to even just eat outside and then you're not able to do it. Yeah. yeah. It's sad. That must be so difficult. Yeah, I know. I, I always, I've thought about this and it's so interesting because America has been built on this like bedrock of individualism, 
Like you are your own individual. You can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I mean, many immigrant families have had this kind of narrative, right? It's all me, 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 me. See what I can do in this land of opportunity. But when things like uh, the the political unrest, the civil unrest with the BLM movements and now and, and the pandemic as well, we're kind, we're asked to be like community first over individualist first, right? Mm-hmm. I always and I always I find it curious. I find it interesting that sometimes you can see people who are at really big who are really big odds with this. They have a really strong tension between. Should I serve my community or should I live the life that I've always been programmed to do, like live an individualistic life? So it's hard. It's hard to, to not uh, um, advantage of your time to shine during this gap year. <laughs> I just want to go out and travel the world. I couldn't. I know. That'd I feel like nice. a lot of people are feeling the same way, though. Like all my other friends, like, who are going to grad school soon, or even the graduates this year, they're probably like dreading this summer. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. I mean, the other day I um, went to eat out at Korean barbecue, and uh, yeah, the uh, and and I felt pretty comfortable with it because the they took really safe measures, and it was like only a third of the restaurant was full, so it was like our table, and then two tables on each side were empty. So uh, I felt like really, really well distanced from people and it was an enjoyable experience. So I would ask the restaurant what their policies are, but like something like that, I felt pretty good. And then after that, we went to um, Sullen Beans in K-Town and uh, there was no one in that restaurant. So it was like we rent, rented out the whole restaurant and I, per- <laughs> I felt perfectly fine doing that. So Wait, that's good. People are staying indoors. Yeah. yeah. But even if you don't want to, yeah, just eat out for a little bit and you can do it safely, I think. Sophia, last question for the rapid fire. What are you grateful for today? Um, mostly just grateful to have parents who are like really understanding, really open-minded and just really supportive what sense um open-minded especially well i think okay like we said earlier about the political unrest i know for a lot of like asian families it's hard to talk to your parents who are immigrants refugees about what's happening and hard for them to really like understand the black lives matter movement and just you know some other things so i think it's nice that my parents aren't so close-minded about different and other races and they're like very perceptive of like what's happening and really open to like learning more and reading like their own, like finding the information for themselves. Like I didn't have to really explain to them much because they're already reading up about it themselves. So I I like yeah, I'm like happy that they don't <laughs> try to impose their beliefs on me as much. And they're like, you know, still learning like I am. Right, I like that. I'm curious for myself. Do they speak English? They yeah. Read English. Okay. Are they getting their information from English sites or are they Vietnamese sites? Uh, my mom. Well, my from first of all, my dad re- speaks English better than my mom, so he mostly gets it from like my other relatives 
and then from Yahoo News, I think, and from CNN. We watch a lot of CNN and like regular uh, local news. Mm-hmm. My mom watches, like, listens to Vietnamese doctors speak about it, and I tell her, I tell her to like take it carefully. So then she'll listen to it, and then she'll tell my dad, and then my dad will be like, "No, but I saw this instead." They kind of like, go mm-hmm. back and forth like that. So they, my mom's not really good at English, so that's why she listens to Vietnamese like news but my dad is pretty good at it yeah i gotta get some more vietnamese doctors in my my parents's uh media consumption i think the stuff that they read is pretty conservative Mm. and um it's difficult to have a conversation when all i consume is liberal information and all they consume is conservative information so Mm -hmm. i think it'd be actually interesting if uh, i could like translate what they read and just read it and then they could translate what I read and then we can just like switch for a day and see how we feel. I think that'd be kind of weird, but it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting though. All right, Sophia, I, uh, yeah. Ooh, what's yeah. Up? Nothing. I, uh, I dug in the archives. I actually looked up our, uh, collective internship application. What? No. <laughs> And I have a couple no. of things that I want to want to get your take on. No, no, wait! I don't even remember my own internship application. That's that's what's gonna make this so enjoyable. Oh my god! Okay. Oh no, please. So don't worry. It's nothing. It's nothing um, too terrible. So oh the god. question was, what is your favorite spirit emoji? And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read your answer. Do you remember your your favorite spirit emoji? I think it was the sus moon face. Ooh, close. The sus dark moon face? But kind of the opposite. Let me uh, read you what you wrote. This is verbatim. Back from the archive. (laughs) Can you just say the emoji and I was just like, explain. (laughs) My spirit emoji (laughs) (laughs) is the awkward smiling sun. Wait, I'm gonna look that up. I don't know. It's the it's the sun with the smile, because it really portrays my character, optimistic <laughs> yet slightly awkward. Mm-hmm. I like to think positively with every situation thrown my way and try to make others feel better as well. However, I feel like with new situations or with strangers, I can be slightly shy and awkward and hard to get to know at at first. Overall, though, I'm usually a very happy and lighthearted person. Hence. The awkward smiling sun. Dude, that was a pretty good answer. That's I still know. me. <laughs> I literally read that and I was like, that's exactly Sophia. <laughs> that's actually me. Yeah, actually, like when I was looking at the picture of the awkward smiling sun, I was like, nah, that's actually just Sophia. I, I don't see an emoji there. It looks exactly like you. You know what's funny though? I remember in our first staff meeting, um, they t- the older staff members were talking about that question and they were like really disappointed apparently because people <laughs> didn't answer it like very funny. They would did like like really like simple like smiley emojis. And then the one that they thought was really funny was the bowl of rice because whoever was the applicant liked rice. And I was yeah, sitting yeah. there and I was like, what? I thought mine was pretty good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, not, yours is too serious, buddy. Yeah, I I don't think I had that question. Did you do internship the same year as I did? No, I did a year after you. 
You did yeah. it with Tiffany, did it? And like Avi and Rita. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't remember our, I was looking for my app and I couldn't find it. So, but alas, I found yours. I <laughs> anyway, I wanted, I wanted to transition to, to one, explain this um, Bach Bach story in the introduction because I, I don't have full clarity on it. And I think that it's something that's bothered me for centuries. <laughs> So, what? <laughs> so, so tell tell us who Bach Bach is and and how the story of Bach Bach came to be. Okay, so it's kind of like a sad story, but it has like happy moments in it. Like it starts sad, but it's like happy. So Bach Bach <laughs> is my pet chicken. Nice. I've had her for over a year now, year and a half. I got her um, because my grandmother had passed away. And mm. part of the see, sad part. So my grandmother passed away, and part of the funeral ceremony was the daughter-in-laws of my grandma would get be given gifts. So my grandma had three daughter-in-laws, so three gifts, and one of the gifts was bok bok. My mom, so she, my aunt-in-law got bok bok as a gift. There's supposed to be some like meaning to it. I think it means to like increase fertility like have more eggs but my aunt-in-law is like really old already and she already has like three full-grown kids so I don't know why she got the chicken but anyway she got the, she got bok bok but my aunt moved to Taiwan and she couldn't take the chicken with her and it didn't feel right to kill her either or like give her away mm -hmm. so she gave her to my mom instead and then we've been raising a chicken in our backyard ever since. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Do you have to have a license for a pet chicken? Probably, but that's okay. <laughs> you don't have a license. You just you have, have a chicken. A yeah, I I was so surprised because I always thought you were joking. But when I saw Bok Bok for the first time in real life, I was like, one, why is that chicken so big? <laughs> <laughs> She's fat. She is really thick. Yeah. <laughs> and then two, oh, why is that chicken not shy at all? That thing was taking everyone's food. It's, she loves eating. She loves it. Nowadays, she like wants to go inside my house. So every time we try to like go out the back door, she'll be right there ready to like go in when you go out. And mm. she's gone in. Like she's snuck her way in several times now in her kitchen. And she likes it. Like there's no food on the ground for her, but she would just like wander, maybe like mm -hmm. expecting us to give her food. But yeah, it's pretty fun. The only downside though, if you ever want a chicken is that they poop a lot and you can't really uh, potty train them to like poop on grass. She'll poop anywhere, like anywhere. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that, that's the only that's downside. So that's so funny. So do you, do you uh, buy eggs anymore is the question that I have. I still buy eggs, yes, because she doesn't reproduce eggs fast enough for mm. all five of us, or all four of us. She Fair. gives like one egg a day. Some, at oh. one point, she had menopause, and then she didn't have eggs for months. I'm kidding. From September till February, she had menopause, and we had no eggs. No eggs. Is that a thing, and she just recovered? Yeah, she recovered eventually, and then she started laying eggs again. That is it's definitely a thing because from September from February there's no eggs and I've searched around my backyard in her usual like nest areas and there's nothing. 
It's a literal Easter egg hunt yeah. every day. That's so funny. Do her um, eggs taste any different? Uh, no, but her yolk is a lot bigger and more yellow. I don't know if that means anything, more yellow yolk, mm. but they taste about the same. They look a lot bigger too. When we first got her, her eggs were really small, but I think that's because we weren't feeding her a lot. And then over time, my mom spoils her, so she's like eating all this shit ton. She has, she eats fruit when we eat fruit. Like, nice. you know, like that seems healthy. So, um, I now completely understand how Bok Bok came to be, and I feel very gratified knowing that I have a friend with a pet chicken. It's mm-hmm. actually so amazing. Well, you know what's he, interesting? Go my ahead. neighbor across the street, he also has like five chickens. What? Laguna Hills is weird, bro. It's just us two, I think. Laguna Hills is weird. It's just us two. Everybody else has dogs, cats, and horses. Horses? Who has a horse? There's like this one neighborhood in Laguna Hills. If anyone's listening to this from Laguna Hills, you know my Nelly gal? It's like, they have horses. That's crazy. My ex-boyfriend had a horse stable in his backyard. But no horses. We just paid BP in there. Nice. Thanks. Thanks for that, Sophia. And that is a nice transition to the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Yes. You're gonna see where this is going. Aww. I wanted to talk about your experience with Theta Kappa Phi. Oh, why? <laughs> if you're on good terms with them, I'd love to talk about it. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because. Um, when I went to college, I was, I was uh, lucky enough to have one other person that I knew from my high school. Um, he, he was my roommate. And so I was a little bit more comfortable starting off knowing no one. But a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of the students that I've spoken with and worked with, um, see this really big draw in the fraternity, uh, sorority, professional fraternity, Greek fraternity, Asian fraternity life, right? Uh And I'm always curious because um, I had always understood them in the media as like the rowdy bunch of folk who are family, but they have a lot of fun, but they also get in a lot of trouble. Um, It's kind of like the rowdy, the rowdy bunch, you know, Uh and I, and I never really felt like that was something that I could get behind. I never really felt like that was my crowd. But when I got to college, I realized that like, they're not just the rowdy bunch, but still it, it didn't really, it wasn't in alignment with me, but oh. of the people I know, you are one of them. There are a lot of people who really enjoy their experiences. And I have always wondered what it is like to be in a fraternity or sorority. You can give me the, the PG version, the PG 13 <laughs> version, the R version, whatever you want, the G version, but my, I guess like what I'm what I'm trying to get at is what do you think that Theta's provided you? What did you um, want more from that sisterhood, and and uh, what couldn't it give you? I guess. Hmm. Let's see. I feel like my first my motive for joining a sorority in the first place was because 
Unlike you, I didn't have many high school friends going to college with me. I had two, but we weren't like super close. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to join a sorority to make friends. And most specifically, I think I wanted Asian friends because a lot of the Asians at my high school were not, were more whitewashed, I guess you could say. So I wanted more Asian friends going into college. And then, so I joined Thetas. Um, and I actually enjoyed my time in Thetas for the first two years. My third year, not so much. And I think the reason why was because at that point in my life, I wanted to be more career focused and more academically driven and kind of like do my own things. Um, but with Thetas, it's like always time consuming and it's hard to, it's hard to like just balance the, the stuff that we had to do for Thetas and then just like work on my career and work on myself. So that's why my third year I was kind of like in a rocky relationship, but also because I think there's still like a flaw with sororities. The whole point of a sorority is to get sisterhood, but, some, but I feel like I didn't have that a lot in Thetas. So yeah. How do you mean? So when, okay, got a word when expose the whole experience. Uh, when, uh, we'll, we'll call her, we'll call her Gabby. Does that work? <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were, I thought you were looking for a name to make up. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, when you first join a sorority, you get like a pledge class, right? And you and your right. pledge class do everything together. You're experiencing everything together. And you're like a tight knit group. And I really liked that my first two years, we were really close. I think going into my third year, I kind of saw flaws in our friendships where we never like hung out with each other. We never like tried to hang out with each other or try to make any plans with each other. I kept thinking to myself like, type of friendship is this where we don't got each other's backs um, mm -hmm. or when we would do we would have positions in the sorority but not really help each other out so stuff like that I was like oh like they don't really have my back that much mm. so like, why did that happen I I don't know mm. do you think that's a common thing um maybe I really think it just depends on your class like mm. who's in your like pledge class at the time because, of course, you might not get along with everyone. You probably have, like, one or two, like, your ride or dies. But for us, it was, like, we just didn't do things together. Mm -hmm. It was weird. The only time I ever did anything was when it was someone's birthday. And that was it. So, I don't know. I don't know why it happened. But, yeah, I think that's what I kind of missed, like, having a tight-knit group of people, like, in college. Right. Girl gang kind of thing. Yeah. I probably would have wanted more from that from Thetas. Um, but I think it did help me be like more like authoritative, like courageous, I guess. I don't know why, but it's just like when you're in like a leader position in the sorority group and you get like at a class underneath you and you have like power, it like kind of boosts your self-esteem, your ego. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. I, 
I am glad that you shared that because I wouldn't have guessed it from all the wonderful pictures that you guys take. You guys are always smiling. Every everyone's hair is perfect. No one is blinking. Most and of those you, pictures are like fake love. They're like posed. Yeah, and I wouldn't know not being a part of that world. I remember just uh I remember that we have another fraternity on campus for anyone who's listening. It's called uh, AED and it's a professional fraternity. And every time I would see those pictures, I'd always be like, dang, like my friends never smile like that. <laughs> I've never had a, a hangout. I've never had a hangout where we're all like side by side, holding hands, walking on the beach. Singing uh, so they're all posed. <laughs> yeah, well, that I was 19 and impressionable, okay? Those are all posed, dude. The churches just know. hold hands, look at each other, and laugh at each other, and then like sink your steps. That's it. That's got to be fun, right? <laughs> I mean, it's fun, but like, it's not like it's like surface level friendships, you know, where you're like, mm. "Hi, my name is this." Like, I know your major, and I know your love system exists, but there's no like deeper connections. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, that's good to know. I'm sure that there are. I'm sure that you had positive experiences with your sisters, and but uh, I'm glad that you're open to share some of the things that didn't go so well. But this uh, this is a good transition to your real family, uh, of which I am part of, your Vietnamese community health family. And I wanted to start off with something that's a little <laughs> bit on the on the more fun side, and that is um, your professional basketball career. Do you remember this? <laughs> Yes, I was the captain, of course. Yeah, so Sophia was actually the captain of our I Am intramural basketball team representing Vietnamese community health. And I remember when we started this, this is so funny. When we started this and we sent out the Google interest form, we got so many signups. Mm -hmm. Everyone was interested in playing or watching <laughs> and they all wanted to support. And then when we actually made the team, I couldn't get five people sometimes to get to the games. <laughs> That we definitely had no one in the audience watching. I know that for a fact. And I was like, Yeah, freaking staff didn't show up. <laughs> I know. I was playing my heart out and, and I couldn't get someone to show up. It was so disheartening. But we had a wonderful captain, and I believe you went to three of the four games. Is that right? Yeah. One of them I didn't go because it was Chinese New Year. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Even captains have obligations. But could you please? share with the audience your average points per game i think people will be <laughs> really really excited to hear this <laughs> my average um <laughs> all you have to do is divide you know, as the captain three. as as the captain i didn't want to take all the glory for myself like I wanted everyone else to like, you know, have their moment to shine because I was like the senior of the IM team. True. So I gave the ball to, you know, other people to like do the, do, you know, the game for us. So my average was like one in one game. No, you, you had two points in three games. So your average is 0.67. But to get those two points, <laughs> We, we, I literally t spoke to the other team's captain and I said, look, everyone on our team has scored this season except for <laughs> our, ca our captain, Sophia. Like, can you just please let her score. 
And I, I think know, we're talking to the other team too, and they're giving me at tips. They're like giving me tips of where to shoot, like where to hand oh, the yeah. I remember that it was a real community. It was like yeah, it, it was, was really like nice. ten versus zero. It was mm-hmm. the whole both teams versus the rim. And after <laughs> after I think a dozen shots, we finally got you to to get one in, and then we lost by thirty. But that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a good transition into something that I'm actually curious about. I mean, I, I've, I've observed this throughout the years and I, I kind of want to get your take on it, but you're in, you were involved in a couple of things, um, all kind of tied by the central thread of Vietnamese culture and heritage uh, mm-hmm. from BSU, which is Vietnamese Student Union to C-Admit, which is Southeast Asian, uh, like a organization for, to transition Southeast Asians into, into undergrad. VCN, um, you danced in the Vietnamese Culture Night. VCH, you served as our health site director and then our uh, volunteer director and our, our, and our health fair bouncer. Um, and then another big thing that I've noticed like through your Instagram stories is that you spend a lot of time with your family, whether it's like drinking <laughs> together or watching CNN or a lot. I mean, you still like hang out with your brothers um, pretty often. And so I just want to ask you a simple open-ended question. Um, and that is, why is being Vietnamese so important to you? Oh my God. Open-ended but deep. Right. Huh. Mm. I mean, I don't really... I don't know. I feel like it's our heritage and it's our culture and it's something I'm proud about myself being Vietnamese American. Mm. So I think, and then I don't know if I, uh, I don't know. I think I was just more drawn to it. Like in the organizations that I did at UCLA, I was more drawn to those because it felt like we were all in a community together. We were like all helping each other. And then in VCH, we're helping the community that like our parents are used to, or our parents like had been a part of. So I think that's why it's just something I was used to, very comfortable being around, and wanted to like give back to. Hmm. Do you have a favorite um, story about being being raised in a Vietnamese household, or a favorite part of your Vietnamese culture, whether it's? cuisine or dance because i you just engage in so much of it i mean i think last week you got your uh you got your father on camera um or or your uncle telling uh one of the <laughs> telling one of your relatives that uh they were a soft quote unquote um for for not drinking as much as he was so i i just think that's amazing because that's not like the type of relationship that i see many Vietnamese families have but you guys even drink together and and play tomfoolery well that just goes because my parents are very open-minded and my dad just likes to have fun like i'm pretty sure all of us got our fun gene from my dad so um yeah i my favorite memory or favorite part of being vietnamese my favorite part oh man i think my favorite part was probably like when I was younger and I had to go to Vietnamese Sunday school, like a language school. First, I hated it because it was taking up my Sunday, but then 
learning Vietnamese, learning about the culture was actually really fun and really interesting. And then, you know, making friends who are, who I'm still friends with now. So kind of being like, I don't know, it's just like nice learning about your parents' life and then learning about your people. Mm. So just being, going to Sunday school. Yeah, I used to do that too. I think we were part of the same like troop thing. Um, were you in like the Yadin building? Yeah, dude, the, GD, <laughs> the GDPT. Yeah. I love the GDPT and the Hua Sangs and the, the these no, little thingies. And <laughs> I forgot what those are. And the, did your did your temple have you meditate um, like in the during morning? service? Yeah. Yeah. It was like yeah. for 20 minutes and I would fall asleep like religiously. Yeah, I remember. When you got older though, you got to like bang the drum though. Oh that yeah, was I was cool. the god. That was pretty when fun. I was a kid. Yeah. I was the drum person, but like my favorite part is when you like go really, really fast on the drum part and one of the chants. But yeah, I just really liked going to the school. I kind of missed it. Mm. Mm. Well, that makes one of us. I don't miss that place. I, mean, <laughs> I was definitely bullied there. <laughs> Vietnamese culture is so mean to young kids sometimes. Uh, true, true. But, yeah. but they, had, uh, they had really good vegetarian food for lunch. So. Oh, yeah, that is so true big fan of that okay well the other topics of discussion i just want to mention this as an aside but um do you know your typing speed because i have a verified number on your internship resume i hate i was like but nobody's like where are you getting all this information about me (laughs) i do my research Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, no, I don't. I think it was like 70. It is 76 words per minute. And I just thought that was really funny because I was like, Hmm, did she really take a typing test to get 76 or did she estimate 75 and think it was not impressive? So she added one. (laughs) Honestly, that sounds like me. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, she probably did that. That sounds just like what I would do. But I think I recently did it again because Cecilia wanted like freaking typing word test game. So we played that and I think it was like 70 something. Mm. For our, those who are listening, Cecilia is a mutual friend of ours, also was in Vietnamese community health and she is definitely the rowdiest of them, of them all. Mm-hmm. We um, are going to have a fun July 5th barbecue. I cannot mm-hmm. wait. Wait, uh, question for you. Who do you think sure. is the most like rowdiest? Avi? Oh, oh Cecilia, okay. Okay. Avi or Cecilia? Or me. I'll throw me in the mix to make it look. Okay. I think it's I think it's Cecilia Sai. Wow, she, really? Okay. Yeah, we've got some we've got some real footage of her popping up. <laughs> and, and I think that it's for sure her. Maybe I'll get her on the podcast sometime. I think it's it'll be super fun to just mess around okay just curious okay you know for a while people thought i was the rowdiest and i was like what no not that oh no yeah i i always thought avian cecilia sour were in the lead yeah i was like i'm pretty sure they're way more rowdy than i am but okay yeah and then it was probably like you and hun lee was like tier two (laughs) and then there's a bunch of other tiers in the middle and then it was like me hong and justin lee this is like pre-junior year. 
banquet. Dude, I think Tiffany could be. Oh, and Tiffany. Oh, wait, no, yeah. Tiffany is a good amount there. of peer pressure. With a good amount of peer <laughs> pressure, she could be in that too. Yeah, Tiffany is, is something else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it just goes to show, and this is like what I said in the intro, like, I think that there's a lot to do in college from getting grades and extracurriculars and whatever, but there's a lot of fun times too. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think that a lot of people don't talk about those fun times enough, and they really should, because that's what you no. remember. Nobody wants to look like the hooligan or like that derelict, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Everyone in college knows there were fun times in college. You just don't have to say it out loud. It's true. <laughs> but actually, you'll, you'll, I, I told you this in, in private chat um, a couple of weeks ago, but everyone in medical school is a derelict. No, that's, see, that just doesn't make sense to me. It's 100% true. It's, I, think it was, I think it is worse than undergrad. The, what? The that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how? These secrets will be unlocked to you soon. Don't worry. We were in a different medical school. So. Oh, no. This is a universal part of every medical school's curriculum. All right, Sophia, we'll wrap up with a couple of questions that'll get your brain muscle thinking. And then uh, <laughs> we'll, see what we can, we'll see what we can share with our audience and Hopefully people can find something that uh, something something useful in these questions. So this is one that I always find interesting. I, I like the okay. answers that come out of it. But what purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months? Something you bought that has a disproportionately great um, benefit to your life. In the last six months. Or just in your recent memory. Okay. I don't really bought anything. Wait, let me look around my room real quick. Okay, okay. I haven't bought anything in a very long time. Could be something like digitally. Honestly, it's just Animal Crossing. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. Tell me about Animal Crossing. Tell the world how much you love this game. Well, if you don't already know, the new sensation of 2020 is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Can be found on Nintendo Switch or Switch Lite. Anyways. I actually did not know the subtitle was New Horizons. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. That's new. I don't know why either. I I wonder what the other thing was before then. But that's probably like, the best purchase I've made in the last six months or this whole 2020 because you know quarantine life it's really enjoyable to be able to like create your own ideal world or your island your house Mm -hmm. and not like actually spend money other than buying the game right I have a follow-up question now Mm -hmm. if the subtitle for Animal Crossings is New Horizons what would be the subtitle for Sophia Nguyen Ooh. Ooh. My subtitle. <laughs> no, let's do it. No, I'm thinking my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I want, I want that answer. The one that you're thinking of in your head. That's the golden one. I need that one. No, I was thinking chicken wrangler, but. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia Nguyen, chicken wrangler. That's going in the title, hundred percent. 
I always like Dino Nugget either too. That's mm. my favorite. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. So the next question, Sophia, how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours? Failure. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't think I have a favorite failure, but I think one of the failures that helped me be less of like an idealist or a perfectionist was not doing so well on my second MCAT retake. Mm -hmm. Obviously it sucks real bad when you study so hard and then take the test and then it doesn't go as you plan. But I think in a way having that failure kind of made me be more like okay with failing and not being so perfect all the time and not like getting what I want. Mm -hmm. so I think that would be like something that helped me because honestly, all my life, I feel like I've always wanted to be perfect at this and like mm -hmm. get good grades all the time, get high scores. So it's really hard when, or it's really hurts when you don't get it. So then having that bad retake kind of makes it feel less bad now. And especially since I got into med school now, I feel mm -hmm. like, okay, it all panned out. Mm -hmm. Like it, it works out in the end. Mm -hmm. At the time, it will hurt a lot, but now it just works out. Why, why do you think that? So I can imagine a couple of students, I have a couple in mind, who retook it. And the second MCAT, they felt even more defeated. They were like, man, like, this is really not for me, clearly. Um, I could not improve my score despite a second try. Other people only need to do it once. How did you like navigate those feelings and come to a place of peace? About like after getting my second MCAT score? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Oh, um, honestly, I think I was so focused on my MCAT score at the time. So I didn't consider that there's other parts of your application that go with, you know, like your GPA, your personal statement and all that stuff. So I think moving aside from MCAT, I had to look at myself more holistically and think like, you know, there's other great parts about me and I'm not just defined by this one MCAT score. I have more to show than just this score. So you right. kind of have to think like on a bigger picture, on a bigger scale. All right. so you zoomed out and you, 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 you leaned on other things that you were proud of too. Mm -hmm. And then you, you came up with this conclusion that you may not be perfect at everything, but you're pretty darn good at some things and those things you should be happy about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I am actually, you're actually one of the first few people I'm going to tell about this, but I'm actually creating this resume um you know how social media and resumes they always give you like the highlights right mm -hmm. just, we were talking about earlier the four people holding hands seeing kumbaya on the beach um that's on social media but and also on resume on the resumes it'll just be all the stuff that you've accomplished mm -hmm. uh, i am actually putting together a resume of failures and i think that it's really funny 
because I've been digging through my email all day today. Okay, first of all, did you know that I got rejected to the student stroke team seven times? I just checked my email. I was like, what? They rejected me yeah, seven really? times? Whoa. <laughs> and no one will know because it'll never show up on a resume, but I'm, I'm making that. And I think uh -huh. it'll be really telling for people to understand that like, you are successful. I am successful. We all have our different definitions of successful, but mm -hmm. there's always so many failures you don't know about a person. And I think that we should be more transparent about those things because mm -hmm. it's stuff that you can laugh about. Like, dang, I got rejected that thing seven times. It's actually kind of sad, <laughs> but uh, it makes you more like human, you know? And that's like, that's my goal. And that's why I was really excited to have you on the show today because you're one of the more human people that I know going into medicine. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So I will, I will write that resume of failure and I'll, uh, and I'll send it out to you. I think you'll, you'll have a good laugh. <laughs> okay. This next question. Five, seven times. Yeah, I know. It was amazing. And every That's time like I. Crazy resilience, dude. <laughs> I guess I checked every applications um, email copy that they sent me and they send the same thing. It's the same words every time. And I'm like, <laughs> You, you make me feel better about my seventh rejection, guys. Did you ever bother asking them why? I did. I asked them twice, actually. And what did they say? Was it the same uh, thing twice? Nah. Well, I asked them once, I think, when I got rejected freshman year, like winter quarter, and then once, like sophomore year, fall quarter. Uh -huh. I think each time, like, they gave me good feedback. It was just like, uh -huh. oh, you need to better understand our mission and what we do and stuff like that. And so I incorporated it. Um, but to no avail, I had a and uh, no success with that. <laughs> I wish I could, yeah. I, I wish I could end this with like a nice, yeah, and I finally got in on my seventh try. Like an but underdog then, story, but no. Yeah. It's just, exactly. sometimes there's just no underdog story. <laughs> exactly. What really happened is I just graduated and that was it. There was no more chances to apply. <laughs> it was sad. Anyway. All right, our next question is, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to billions of people, what would it say and why? It could be a few words. It could be a paragraph. It could be someone else's quote that you live by. What would you want to tell people? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I think probably just something simple, like a simple like motivation for people who are having like hard days. Probably just like life moves on or it's okay mm -hmm. kind of thing. Because I think a lot of people are very hard on themselves. Um, like I know I'm pretty hard on myself when I don't do something right and it like takes me a while to get out of my funk it takes me like need, I need to like talk to people to get out of my funk so I think having a billboard so people can just learn know that you know life sometimes doesn't go like the way they want to go but I mean it still moves on and you just kind of have to adapt and learn right I like that I like that life goes on what uh let us let us like peer into your head for a little bit, what is the, the negative self-talk that you kind of tell yourself and what are ways that you kind of exit that vicious cycle? Because I know that 
I have a lot of trouble dealing with it um, as well. I think no matter how many times I get bullied in life, no one will ever bully me more than myself. And mm. I'm just curious to see how you deal with it. Hmm. Well, one of the things is like, I usually just think like, oh, I'm not good enough. Or like, what was I thinking? Getting like way over my head, thinking I could like do this or succeed in that. So those are usually the thoughts that come in my head. The next one would probably be something like disappointing my parents. Mm. I feel like I wasn't raised in a strict household, but I still like want to make my parents proud and my parents happy. So if I do something bad, I always think like, oh, what are my parents going to think kind of thing. So those are the two main things. Um, but easy way, this is so lame, but easy way to get out of it is just to like watch some really happy videos or talk to someone that makes you happy. Mm. <laughs> you have a favorite video? Oh, I love watching compilations of like funny moments of a show or something. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite show? Um, I really like the ones that from The Office. And then I really like this one uh, Korean show called Running Man. I watched that one. And honestly, most of the videos that Tiffany sends me are really funny, so I watch those too. Nice. Snip, snap, snip, snap for any Office fans. That's the only thing I remember from that show. But yeah, I got to ask Tiffany to send me some more videos too. She's K-pop related, so I don't think you'll really like them. <laughs> I'm sure I'll, I'll grow fond of them. She's really good at finding funny things. <laughs> Next question. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? It can be an investment of money, an investment of time, an investment of energy, an investment into a a relationship or a friendship. It could be any investment. Um, Probably talking to my high school friends again. I think when I went to college, I kind of didn't keep in touch with a lot of my high school friends and I never came home for the weekends a lot or when it was break time, I would never be in Laguna Hills. So I think now when I moved back home for my gap year, I try to like talk to my high school friends, make, make that reconnection again. And I think that was pretty worthwhile. Nice. Yeah, I've been meaning to get back to that too. I think it's really important to have that longevity, but um, that's good. That reminds me, I, I probably will go ahead and reach out to a couple of high school friends after this. Do it. They probably miss you too. Yeah, I'm going to send you a screenshot tonight. Wait. It's hard at first though, because like, if you think about it, it's been four years since you graduated high school. So it's like four years of catching up on like, what did you do in college? Right. How, you know, who are you dating? Like all this kind of stuff. Oh, easy questions for me to answer. It's like four years worth of just like, tell me about your craziest drunk story. Tell me about your crazy moment. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you should tell me something crazy now. What is no. unusual? <laughs> no. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> well, you'll have to. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? I think that this question always is a fun 
one because it really humanizes people it really shows that these like aspiring doctors aren't robots they're weird. They're, weird. they're really weird yeah oh i believe that my brother is like a doctor and he's pretty weird um i have my <laughs> unusual habit is so on my pillowcase there's like the seams of my pillowcase mm-hmm. i really like to rub them with oh. my fingers yeah and <laughs> But it's not all pillowcases have them, I've noticed. There's only certain ones. I don't know which ones, don't ask me. But on the sea, I really like to rub the seams of my pillowcase. And sometimes I rub them so hard, now there's like holes in my pillowcases. Oh, that's definitely weird. I'm glad you shared that with me. <laughs> I could actually show you. This one, this pillow is really bad. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll, have to, I'll, I'll come over sometime. You can show me. Okay. Okay, a um, couple more questions. In the last couple of years, four or five, what's new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? New belief, behavior. <laughs> I don't know. I eat brown rice now. I think that's making me feel more healthy. <laughs> I wouldn't say that most improves my life. It, I love it. <laughs> but I, like, I don't know. That was like the first thing that I thought of when you read me that question. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, sure I guess. Let's see. Oh, I guess, okay, this is like, this. Is, I don't even know why I didn't think of this one first, but okay, I like spend more time with my parents now, <laughs> like a lot more time. I don't usually eat out for dinner. Usually like I would like go out, go hang out with my friends when I come home for the weekend. But now that I like, lived in this gap year, I actually stay in more eating dinner and lunch with my parents and just like talking and like hanging out with my parents. Um, I think it's just nice because my parents are getting older and I don't want to like not know them, you know? Nice. I like that. Yeah. It's also another thing that I- That's so much better than the brown rice thing. Can you splice that please? (laughs) No, no, no. The brown rice. I'm actually going to splice the parents thing and just keep the brown rice. (laughs) Can you just snip, snap, snip, snap brown rice? I will snip, snap, snip, snap. Nothing. I think both of those answers were wonderful. Snip, snap, snip, snap. All right, we're rounding down on three more questions so that um, you can head out and play with Bok Bok as soon as possible. Here's the next question. What advice would you give to a smart, driven, pre-med college student at the beginning of their journey? And what advice should they ignore? What advice would I give at the very beginning? Oh, man. Or early on (laughs) in their journey. I think I would tell them to really like think why they want to be a like why do they want to go through the pre-med route because I think some people like especially when you like write your personal statements for you know the application 
they don't know what to write. I think I would tell them like when you first start, you should think about why and then, you know, make your life or not your life, but like make your experiences and your activities kind of reinforce that why. Mm-hmm. It'd be helpful in the long run. Yeah. So understanding why you're doing it and then spending mm-hmm. your time from like, that. Yeah. What, like building up on that. Source, right. Yeah. I like and that. Then, well, that should they ignore. I put down to ignore all that social media stuff. That's like, I studied using this and I got a 528 on this. Or like, I'm a 3.9 GPA student and I did this and this. Like that kind of stuff just really hurts your self-esteem. It makes you like kind of like look down on yourself and like adds more pressure than there already is like on you. So I would tell them to avoid that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's just so much of it. There's so much of comparison culture in our in our space. Yeah. And it's so easy when and it's even worse. Yeah, it's so easy when someone goes three nine nine, five twenty eight. Here's mm-hmm. how I did it. And you can't yeah. even can you just watch but it doesn't help it doesn't help you because everyone's story is so different right and it's even worse when those people don't get into medical school and you're like all right well if they can do it i can't do it then it's over Mm -hmm. agreed what is one thing you would have done differently or wish you would have known and why if you were to start it all over Hmm. Differently. Um, I think something I kind of regret a lot about in college was not going to more college events, like sports games, culture nights, like talent shows and that kind of stuff, free classes. I think I should have taken advantage more of those while I was in college and really like live like that college life. Like I'm happy with how my undergrad came out, but I think I could have done more and stepped out of my comfort zone more by, you know, doing that stuff. Well, I'm confident that Laguna Hills High School Sophia would have never said that she scored two points in her professional basketball career. So I will say that you definitely stepped out of your comfort zone with that one. Would you not agree? Yes, that's true. We're going to have Sophia when I played basketball. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Laguna Hills, Sophia. Last question is for you. Do you mm-hmm. have anyone you want to shout out or do you have any last words before you wrap up? Uh, shout out. Bok for making this whole podcast, making me more interesting as a person too. Yeah, Bok Bok is actually sponsoring this episode. One mm-hmm. every subscribe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, she's like cooing. Sorry, she's like cooing down. Right as you mentioned her. Yeah, I called her earlier. She's she's my she was talking to my agent. Um, honestly. Shout out to like everyone I met in UCLA and especially in VCH for like shaping my life and be my friends. Mm. 
Yeah, Cecilia said that she wanted to be the first to listen to this podcast episode. No, why? I told her it was up to you. So okay. you can leave her a message at the end of this podcast right now. Cecilia? What do you want? No. <laughs> Cecilia, no. Sorry, bud. All right, I'll snip that and then send it to her. <laughs> Maria, I'm really happy of everyone I'm in this age. I think yeah. VCH like really shaped my life. I'm glad. Yeah, it shaped mine too. And hopefully we can all go out to the world with our VCH insignias on our left shoulder tattooed on our first day of initiation. Their polos. Do some good stuff. <laughs> well, Sophia, it has been a pleasure. Thank you. And I told you an hour and a half would go by much faster than you thought. Oh my gosh. I told you. It was that was tiring. <sighs> well, have a good rest of your day with your parents in Bok Bok. And if anyone wants to say hello to Sophia, ask her a, another question, although she's exhausted for today, mm -hmm. or want to play her one-on-one -on -one basketball for a million dollars, you can find her at... My Sports. odds are pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, she. your odds are really good for the other person. Um, you can find her at Sophia P. Nguyen 97 at gmail.com. That P stands for P-U because Sophia smells, I guess. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sophia P. Nguyen, that's S-O-P-H-I-A-P-N-G-U-Y-E-N 97 at gmail.com. Thanks, Sophia, for your time. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Hey, podcast. Episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts. What happens when you do that is a golden goose actually comes to my door with a framed picture of you. I then put that framed picture on my audio listener hall of fame. My team in Vietnam gets a ping, and they light a candle. There's a moment of silence in pure gratitude because you've committed to joining our team. We then throw the world's largest silent disco party, and the funds generated by that party is able to deliver the next podcast episode to your mobile device. It's hard work, but it's honest work. Thank you so much for listening, and please DM me on Instagram what you thought about this episode. One last favor, close your eyes and take a deep breath.